Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman. We want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman. He's our senior minister for Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. As we start our second year, we continue our grand adventure of exploring interfaith. We're so excited you have joined us today. So buckle up for our 2022 adventure with today's podcast. Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and I want to welcome you to the Interfaith Connection podcast for February 2022. In today's podcast, we will be exploring the Baha'i faith tradition. Baha'i is considered the youngest of the world's major religions and is is very unique in that it honors all other faiths as true and valid. On August 29th, 2020, I was fortunate enough to listen to a program called Let Your Vision Be World Embracing a presentation on the Baha'i faith given by a husband and wife couple, Kede and Jared Davidson. The program was sponsored by the Elk Grove Diversity and Inclusion Commission and the City of Elk Grove in celebration of Diversity Awareness Month. In planning this podcast, I remembered Jared and Kede and thought that would be perfect to have them come and talk to us about their faith and how they incorporate that into their lives. So at this time, I'm honored to introduce Kede. Her full name is Kede Mawit Eshitu Davidson and her husband, Jared Davidson. So welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's an, it's an honor. Thank you. We look forward to this discussion. <laughs> well, we like to start our podcast at the beginning to find out who you are. So I'm um, going to ask each of you to talk about where you grew up, and if you grew up in the Baha'i faith, and if so, what was that like for you during your younger years? And maybe share a story that uh, was either a challenge or a wonderful story about growing up as a Baha'i. So let's let's start with you, Kitty. Sure. Um, uh, well, um, I uh, grew up in uh, the Baha'i faith. Uh, uh, my parents were Baha'is. And uh, the place that I grew up was in Addis Ababa. Uh, this is the capital city of Ethiopia. Uh, my parents were very involved in, um, you know, advancing the teaching work of the Baha'i faith uh, throughout Ethiopia. So I grew up just listening, going to places with them and interacting with many people and participating in many activities as a very young age with my twin sister and uh, also my brother. But mostly with my twin sister because we we're together all the time. And we were just at many public um, talks given by you know, my father or other uh, father figure people and my, my mom. And uh, also we would go to this Baha'i National Center where everybody would come together and interact. And uh, so there was no rest actually, just going go, 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 go all the time, you know, bringing this new faith to many uh, people in Ethiopia. 
and uh, and the people would come to our place and you know just participate in some deepening classes so i always listen about this Baha'i faith, and I just loved it, the, the concept that it has, you know, bringing people together and, um, you know, always learning about other people's faith and have friends with uh, them, like genuine friends. So, for example, I have many friends that from uh, Christianity, from Islam, from, you know, Hinduism, modern and um, Jewish background. So we would be so inter- interesting to see their what their background is, then we would go to their houses and you know we would eat their food and then we would see other of our friends, you know, not doing the same thing. So we would just be so curious and and then we would just um, uh, for us because um, our parents taught us uh, to love everybody and to interact with everybody. We would just uh, be curious to learn about their faith and that just grew our um, uh, interest to uh, investigate more about the Baha'i faith. Why is it like that? So that really made me um, uh, interact and learn more about the faith and also share uh, the faith with others. And uh, so that's where my background is. And we were always encouraged. The encouragement really brought me to where I am right now, always um, uh, encouraging others to also learn about other people's faith. Don't be afraid uh, because if you have that, separation feeling that uh, your faith is the only one and the others are just not the real one it's not the greatest thing so uh, and then my parents also taught me how to do public talks and at the age of 12 or 13 I remember giving a, a talk about different subjects like fasting and prayer and I would go to by myself go on the find writings and uh, readings and like writing it down and it was very interesting so at that such young age uh, that um, uh, ambition to learn about the faith and and uh, bringing it to other people was just part of my growing up what a wonderful upbringing uh, interfaith upbringing for sure yes. uh, which a lot of us never knew that yeah <laughs> uh, i had that experience so that's wonderful and how about you jared well, uh, for myself, um, my parents became Baha'is about two years before um, my brother and I were born. And just uh, as a side note, both Katie and I are uh, are twins. So my <laughs> um, so I grew up uh, together with my brother, uh, um, uh, and uh, so at what, two years before um, uh, we were born, they became Baha'is, and actually. Uh, they, uh, we call it pioneering. They lived in a very large uh, Baha'i community in, in uh, Canada, and uh, they were encouraged to pioneer uh, to a smaller community where there were no Baha'is and, and things like that. So before we were born, uh, my parents had done that. So we actually grew up living in a very, uh, a little more isolated community where uh, there was enough um uh, Baha'is in that community to uh, kind of form a, our local spiritual assembly, which is the governing body of the local community of Baha'is. Once there's at least nine um, adult Baha'is in that in a community, we can elect a local spiritual assembly. So that's what their purpose was, to go out and uh, try to form more local spiritual assemblies. So anyway, um, so my brother and I, we grew up in a very isolated community um, when we were uh, 
So we would have the um, children's classes, learning about all different religions. Um, we were mostly exposed to Christianity, though, um, as opposed to like, um, I think I, um, we really got introduced to more religions once we got into our college years. But um, when we were 12, uh, my parents had uh, decided to move out of the town that we were in because it uh, became a little bit of a, maybe a negative influence on, uh, on um, my brother and I, uh, little, uh, uh, so they decided, uh, my dad was a railway buff. <laughs> um, uh, actually, he loves uh, uh, model railroads and he had, a, he had one of his own, but he, uh, he saw this um, station house for sale in a town called Kleefeld in the middle of Manitoba, Canada. And this uh, was a, a very uh, Mennonite community. So, um, so we ended up moving there when we were 12 to, uh, to this renovated sta um, railway station house, um, which was uh, for Josh and I, we were, we were ecstatic. Uh, we had lots of land to run around in and uh, we had like five acres of trees, uh, trees to push down, whatever. Um, but anyway, <laughs> out of this, though, uh, we we became exposed to the Mennonite community, which um, uh, is a Christian community. Um, and uh, uh, they were very welcoming to us, um, even though uh, we had introduced ourselves as Baha'is and not um, uh, like uh, uh, Mennonites or, or even Christian for that for that matter. Um, so they, they, they saw us a little bit as odd. And I think, uh, that may have attracted my friends to me, but, <laughs> um, in any case, uh, we had lots of, uh, I grew up having lots of discussions with, uh, um, around Christian topics and, uh, um, always, uh, um, getting into a little bit of heated debates, um, as I was growing up, but, uh, I remember my Christian friends becoming, um, always a little bit frustrated with us because we would always agree with what they were saying. Uh, because of course, I mean, there's, uh, there's truths in all religions. So, um, a lot of what they would say, we would automatically agree with, like we believe in Christ, but they couldn't understand why we didn't call uh, ourselves Christian, <laughs> you know, and, and things like that. We, we would always say Christ, uh, died for our sins and, 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 and so forth. And, and things but uh, anyway so throughout our childhood we would always uh, try to invite uh, people to um to some of our baha'i functions like holy days and and so forth and we were very unsuccessful in in uh in doing this except this one time and this uh is uh, a little bit of a story um we had uh uh a holy day that we had never actually invited people to because we didn't think people would come to this one because it's 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 commemorated at four in the morning and <laughs> it's actually the uh, ascension of baha'u'llah which is the uh, who's the uh, prophet founder of the baha'i faith so um and he passed away at uh, 4 a.m so of course we uh, we um commemorated at uh, at that time so anyway so my family decided that, and this was the first time we'd ever done this to invite um, all the friends that they knew uh, to this. And 90% um, of the people that we invited actually came. 
mm-hmm. and we were shocked and we th- thought to ourselves man we have to have more things <laughs> in the morning uh to uh to invite people to so mm-hmm. anyway and and it was uh i think it opened the door to a little bit more um uh openness with uh, with religion and and things like that within that community um but uh uh still i mean um growing growing up in a community like that uh, being um uh, uh kind of under the watchful eye of the uh mennonite community it kind of made uh, uh, confirmed my own faith in 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 making me learn more and and things like that to uh, be able to answer the questions appropriately that they had regarding it, you know, and uh, and to uh, um, to show to them that really we're we're not that different, you know. We we believe virtually the uh, the same the same thing, you know, just uh, um, from a, a different uh, messenger of God, you know. And uh, anyway, so that was my childhood growing up, and uh, and then when uh, we graduated. Uh, um, yeah, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, beautiful stories from both of you. And thank you for that. So you're a couple now. You've been married for a long time. How and where did you, the two of you meet? And how did you end up in California? You were in Canada and and mm-hmm. Teddy was in Ethiopia. What yeah, so Canada uh, so Teddy grew up in Ethiopia. I grew up in Canada. Uh, well, we actually met in Israel. <laughs> oh, okay. So both both Teddy and I, um, right out of high school, were uh, had the privilege of um, serving uh, for a year at the Baha'i World Center in Haifa, Israel, on the slopes of Mount Carmel. Um, so youth from around the world are um, allowed to go there for a year or two uh, for, um, for service. And uh, some of the departments that we serve in are security gardens janitorial and uh, i went there um for a year and a half term uh as a gardener um keddy had had uh, the privilege of of being in the cleaning department so janitorial <laughs> they called themselves they ca- called themselves jennies um and uh yeah so keddy i think i arrived maybe what six months before you yeah and uh and then i remember um hearing that two Ethiopian twins are coming to the Holy Land. <laughs> so there's quite a lot of excitement about it and, uh, and things like that. Um, uh, and not very often do, uh, do twins um, <laughs> be able to come at the same time either. So anyway, so it was, it was quite exciting. We invited, we uh, welcomed them into the, uh, the youth there were very close. So we kind of just uh, welcomed them in, and uh, there was a uh, a dance workshop that everybody, uh, all the youth, had uh, belonged to. And um, Katie and I were, uh, and this is a dance uh, uh, workshop that did dances portraying the principles of the Baha'i faith, like the equality of men and women, um, uh, uh, racial discrimination, and mm-hmm. or racial unity, I should say, um, and so forth. And Katie and I were. We were casted for the uh, equality dance, and I think they tried to pick the the person with the palest skin together with the person with <laughs> uh, basically on the other end of the spectrum, uh, and uh, and put them together. So it kind of uh, nailed two birds with one stone. And it was like a racial mm-hmm. unity dance together with an equality of men and women dance. 
So anyway, and out of uh, our training and uh, preparation for this dance, we got to know each other more. And I think um, our our performance was in December of 1993, and we were married in March 1994. Mm -hmm. So three months. (laughs) <laughs> after yes. that um but uh, yeah so that's how uh uh we began maybe Keddy can tell how how we got to uh uh to canada and then to uh elk grove mm-hmm. yeah no? yeah continue. oh continue. continue okay never mind finish this part and then... <laughs> I'll, I'll finish um so uh once we got married and everything we were there we we stayed in israel for another about a year and uh and then finally we were uh um we we went back home uh i kenny had never seen snow before so we landed in in winnipeg manitoba canada um uh december 1st um 1994 and uh landed on a plant uh on a nice uh soft layer of uh snow and we actually had to mount from the uh, from the plane onto the tarmac to go into the uh, to the airport at that time. So it was uh, it's it was quite an experience for Kenny. She had never seen snow. <laughs> and then uh, 15 years later, and uh, three children later, um, we uh, we ended up moving to uh, to California, and have been in Elk Grove, California, ever since. Uh, we have in, we have increased our family uh, size from four or from three children to four children, and now we have a granddaughter. <laughs> so uh, we have uh, and a and a son-in-law. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. so we um, uh, yeah, so we've been here That's ever weird. since we moved here. I mean, my brother and sister-in-law live here, so uh, and they and they've lived here for much longer than we have. They're the ones that encouraged us to come down here and. We were so sick of the snow. <laughs> Keddie was so sick of the snow and uh, I was sick of shoveling. So we said, okay, let's just bite the bullet and get down there. We're both nurses. So it was at a time when there was such a shortage of nurses. So it was quite easy to actually find jobs down here and, and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have to back up and say to Keddie, what was your first impression of snow when you had to walk across the tarmac? Well, you know what? Uh, it was in Toronto. I remember it was in Toronto. And uh, I opened, it was in the terminal. And then I said to Jared, let's go see the snow. And I was so excited. <laughs> and then, let's go, let's go. And then I opened the door from the terminal to the exit uh, gate. And I just felt the coldness in just right into my nose. I said, the, I the just crack gasped. in the tunnel. The I just gasped. The and then I said, oh, my goodness, what did you bring me? <laughs> and then I just saw the snow sprinkling. It was so beautiful, actually. And I was very excited to see the snow. But after 15 years, I said, enough is enough. Let me get out of here. <laughs> Yeah. California has a lot uh, milder climate for sure. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah. I was curious how you got to uh, uh, Elk Grove, but it sounds like family brought you here, which is good or encouraged you. Yeah, if my brother hadn't lived here, we probably wouldn't would have uh, like kind of sucked it up a little more. <laughs> so when when you were in uh, Canada, we uh, what, what? How old were you when you left Canada, Jared? And uh, were you? Well, um, I went to Israel in well. 1992 uh, so I was 18 years of age that at that point um 
and then we came back for well 15 years yeah. uh, after that uh, so I think we moved when we were in our 30s yeah well I would yeah. so quite a long time but yeah. uh, when you were both in Canada then uh, what was your participation like in the Baha'i faith then and what are you currently doing in Elk Grove Mm-hmm. as a uh, participation in the uh, Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so for me, uh, I mean, we moved to Canada uh, Canada in December 1994. And uh, uh, as I am by myself at the time, you know, my parents were not there. None of my family members were there. So I was just by myself. And then it was kind of like, uh, and also Mommy Jared was around. <laughs> but it was kind of like, you know, just me and then Jared, the only person I know. And then of course his parents. So at the beginning, it was a little bit challenging. And then, you know, I was homesick and, you know, I, and the language itself, you know, even though I knew English a little bit. And I was able to, you know, engagement, like I was, it was challenging at the beginning, let me have put it that way. It's about a year or so, but I just decided to myself, uh, you know, uh, that I have to integrate myself. Now this is my new home and uh, the Baha'i, uh, having the Baha'is around too, it really helped me. So I just started doing some volunteer work uh, in uh, schools, my kids' school, participating in community events, like, you know, going to short, like um, some art shows, and they participate in multicultural events and becoming like a you know, board member as for the Immigration Council of Winnipeg. So this exposed me to many of the cultures and the people of Winnipeg that where I, I was um, residing at the time. And then also uh, because I really like to help people and things like that. So I chose the profession of nursing that I could help people with. And that really helped me um, integrate into the community. And for the Baha'i community, like, you know, coming from Israel and uh, having many experiences there at a very high standard, I brought that spirit to the Winnipeg community. So generally decided that we have to dedicate ourselves in serving, you know, the, the community at large and, um, you know, even for our children to participate in many um, um, activities. So we just dedicated ourselves to service. And um, we were very highly involved in many um, uh, Baha'i activities. At the time, we were still youth. So we said, um, okay, let's just, because we were in the dance workshop in Haifa, Israel. So we said, why can't we bring uh, the dance workshop here as well? So we started uh, this uh, dance workshop. It's called the Light of Unity. And uh, and then we thought many dances and choreographed many uh, moves and things like that. So about 25 to about 30 youths were involved. And we taught them all the lessons that we learned in Israel. So, and uh, with that, we traveled uh, to many cities and uh, and, uh, provinces in Canada and uh, just uh, teaching the principle of the Baha'i faith. And uh, we were involved in many um, community school activities. You know, we were invited to schools and things like that. So many youth, I would say about up to a thousand people were able to see this dance workshop. Uh, people performing the the principles of the uh, the Baha'i faith. So that really got us more involved in the community life in Winnipeg and in Canada, and uh, and then uh, we were involved in the local, regional, and national gatherings representing our communities as Baha'is. Um, while we were there, we um, 
um, from Winnipeg, we needed to, to um, form a local spiritual assembly to, uh, to a nearby um, uh, town. So Jared and I and our little girl, Lua, at the time she was about a year, we mm -hmm. home front pioneered to that area. And then we were able to um, uh, start um, a local spiritual assembly there. And when we served there on that body uh, with other Baha'is for seven years, yeah, until we, uh, until yeah, we came until here. we came to um, uh, can, uh, California, yeah. and uh, currently, I mean, um, I don't know, we we could speak with that in regards to what we're doing currently after George speaks his experience. Well, actually, I think you covered it all. <laughs> right, uh, and um, yeah, that was pretty. Ask the question: How does your Baha'i faith strengthen your relationship? But I think you answered it. Yeah, I mean, we we well, did we do everything together exactly. Yeah, and uh, and I think uh, we try to teach our kids. You know, the best way to know, like when they when they are looking for uh, their their partner in life, the best thing to do is to try to do some service with them and see mm -hmm. <laughs> see how they do. That's you know, and that's the. You know, and because I mean, we're living proof 28, uh, what 28 years later, we're celebrating our 28th anniversary this March. Um, and uh, we're just still going strong. So, um, but it's been really uh, the service orient uh, service aspect of our life that has uh, that has really created that uh, strong bond. So, but uh, anyway, yeah, I think Ketty covered most of that. But currently in Elk Grove, uh, we again um, serve on the uh, um, local spiritual assembly of the Baha'is of Elk Grove, um, uh, and we've uh, been on this uh, assembly for well almost uh, since we've been here. Um, uh, but very active. Um, we uh, uh, we participate in uh, devotional gatherings, hold devotional gatherings. Um, there's study circles that we have uh, going on. We also, uh, Keddie's uh, a part of the Interfaith Council of Elk Grove as well. Um, and uh, uh, we do many other um, services around Elk Grove as well. But uh, yeah, so we try to we try to maintain a very active um, part in the community, uh, in our Baha'i community and the community at large. And we're both nurses, too. So that opens up uh, a large area of service right there. So <laughs> there you go. Your whole yeah. life is is service. Yeah. So uh, if people are listening, <clears throat> excuse me, and they don't know a thing about the Baha'i faith, Jared, can you tell us the history of the Baha'i faith in two minutes or less? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's two minutes. Oh, I thought it was five. Oh, my goodness. Whatever. I'm just kidding. Where it was established, who the founder was. Do you have any holy scriptures or books? And if so, what are they? And that's sure. just All right. in a nutshell. Yeah. No problem. So <laughs> the, the Baha'i faith um, started actually, well, what a lot of people don't know is the Baha'i faith actually has two messengers of God associated with it. Um, one being the Bob, who uh, in 1844 <clears throat> um, uh, proclaimed to be a messenger of God um, that has come to prepare the way for a messenger greater than himself, um, a universal messenger to bring uh, peace to the world and uh, an enlightenment. Um, so in 1844, that's when he proclaimed that uh, that he was that uh, that person. 
Um, now, uh, throughout his ministry, which was only six years long, um, thousands of, uh, of, uh, uh, and I apologize, let me back up a little bit. I forgot to mention where it started. So this was in Persia, Iran, um, that it started in a town called Shiraz, where the Bob, uh, declared, uh, that he was the, uh, the person to prepare the way, um, kind of like John the Baptist in that uh, he's uh, preparing the, the people for the coming of uh, that great messenger. Um, but uh, the Bob himself actually inaugurated his own religion, had his own holy book, had uh, um, for the sole purpose of um, uh, reforming uh, the society of Persia um, to prepare the way for for the coming of Baha'u'llah. And uh, Baha'u'llah was actually one of uh, um, the Babis, which is uh, the name that uh, the Bob's followers uh, um, were labeled, kind of. Uh, and uh, he was one of uh, his distinguished um, disciples uh, to which uh, he conferred the name Baha'u'llah on. Um, but uh, nobody knew the greatness of Baha'u'llah while, while uh, the Bob was, uh, was alive. And when the Bob, uh, who was executed um, in 1850 uh, by firing squad, um, shortly after that, Baha'u'llah was actually thrown in prison. And uh, in this prison, um, Baha'u'llah had the uh, um, had a maid of heaven appear to him, which which basically um, told him that he was the messenger, or revealed to him that he was the messenger of God. Uh, proclaimed by uh, um, the Bob or uh, described by the Bob. Um, uh, and, uh, but Baha'u'llah um, at that time, his life was in danger. He, uh, everybody thought that he was going to die, but uh, I mean, uh, out of providence, his life was spared. Instead, he was uh, sent in exile. So he was banished from uh, his home uh, town um, to, uh, to Baghdad and 10 years passed before he actually divulged to the rest of the, uh, Bobbies that he was the, uh, the promised one that the Bob had been, uh, preparing the way for. Um, and at the time that, uh, uh, the Ottoman empire and the Persian government, um, felt that this man, the, that Baha'u'llah had to be banished even further because his reputation had, uh, had grown great. He, he became um, uh, very well known and loved within, within uh, Baghdad. And uh, so um, he was uh, exiled another three times, one to Constantinople, to Adirne, and then finally to this uh, prison city of Akka, which, or Acre in, uh, in Palestine at that time, which is now Israel. But before he was exiled uh, from, uh, before he left Baghdad on the eve of his departure, basically, uh, he then proclaimed to the people around him that he was the promised one that the Bob had foretold uh, would be coming. And, uh, uh, and then, yeah, so, um, so now everybody uh, uh, at that point um, were called Baha'is. Uh, so so the, the religion really started at 1844 with the coming of the Bob. And then Baha'u'llah's exile to Akka through, through his ministry, he had revealed many books. Um, the most uh, holy book for Baha'is is the Kitabi Akdas, which is the uh, um, 
which is the book of the law of laws and ordinances, which Baha'u'llah has uh, kind of laid down in, in, uh, for, for us all to follow. Um, and then when Baha'u'llah passed away in uh, 1892, he had appointed his uh, eldest son, Abdu'l Baha, as his uh, successor and interpreter of his words. Okay, and it was Abdu'l Baha who, um, in, eight, in 1909, uh, was finally released from the grip of the Ottoman Empire uh, with the fall of the uh, Turkish government or the Turks, the Turk Revolution, I guess. Um, uh, re they released all the uh, political and religious prisoners. So in, 18, in 1909, Abdul Baha immediately started preparations for a tra for travel around the world. So his uh, mission was to go from to Europe and then to America. And uh, in 1912, was finally able to uh, to make this journey. So it was Abdul Baha really that brought um, the Baha'i faith to North America, which um uh there's uh and uh we have uh, a mother uh temple of the west we call it it's our baha'i house of worship in wilmette illinois which um abdu baha actually laid the cornerstone to um and uh, was uh, uh construction of that uh project had begun during his own lifetime so anyway abdu baha had quite a quite a connection with the american baha'i community in that regards and then after Abdul Baha passed away, oh sure, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with the holy the book you uh, the holy book you talked about. Sure, Perez, spell that for me. Yeah, of course, it's Kitabi, which is K A K I. Oh, K I. I apologize. K I T A B as in Bob uh -huh. hyphen I hyphen again and then ACTAS, so A-Q, D as in David, A-S as in Sam. Now, is that something that if I wanted to read that book, is I don't, can I get access to that book? Or Absolutely. Actually, um, the website that uh, we refer people to is www.baha'i.org. And is all of the uh, address and the information you gave me, Kitty. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Baha'i.org is um, our international site. Uh, it's got um, all all the major uh, works of Baha'u'llah. It also has writings of the Bob, um, Abdu'l Baha, and uh, um, Abdu'l Baha's successor, Shoghi Effendi. So, well, that, so I was going to. Uh, I think that's a wonderful uh, shortened version of the history, and it's very clear to me uh, how the succession of it. So, and then we're going to, like I said, provide those links in the information in my newsletter. Yeah. Uh, because it's not, you know, you hear something that my hearing is gone. So I, if I ask for a spelling of it, so um, we're going to have to move along here. So I'm sure, gonna, sure, sorry about that. Thank you very much for that. No and problem. it was very clear to me. Uh, uh, I didn't know the whole history, so mm -hmm. at least uh, that in a nutshell. And that helps uh, to put things right, in perspective. Right. Uh, so, Kenny, I, I was going to ask you, I know that the Baha'is have uh, several universal truths, mm -hmm. uh, three or four that are really important to your faith tradition. Can you tell us about these? Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, the main theme of uh, you know, Baha'u'llah's Baha message is the unity of the oneness of human uh, humankind. And that he taught us that there is only one God, 
that all the world's religions represent one changeless and eternal faith of God, and that all humanity is one race and then destined in, uh, uh, to live in peace and uh, harmony. So the, the teachings of Baha'u'llah are really vast in, in their scope, exploring as they do uh, such themes as the nature and purpose of revelation, and uh, that's inherent in uh, our nobility as human beings. And then the cultivation of the spiritual uh, uh, qualities and the humanities interaction, uh, interactions with um, the natural world that we live in. So the Baha'i teachings are uh, also replete uh, with reference to universal peace. And uh, the supreme goal is th that is for all mankind. And as well as explanations of the social principles uh, with which this piece is uh, associated. And then some of the principles are like um, uh, independent search after truth and the oneness of the entire human race, which is the pivotal principle of Baha'i faith and the abolition of all forms of uh, prejudice, uh, the equality of man and women, and because those are the two wings on which the bird of humanity is able to soar and uh, the introduction of compulsory education and the adaptation of universal auxiliary compulsory education that everybody has to have education. And uh, also um, they, talk, they talk about the adaptation of universal auxiliary language and uh, the abolition of uh, uh, extreme wealth and poverty. And then also um, the, there are other things that also referred in uh, as, as, as principles. And the Baha'is also do not view these uh, principles as mere statements of vague aspiration. Uh, they are understood as matters of immediate and practical concern for individuals and uh, communities and uh, institutions alike. So, so that oh, that, are, that's uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to ask you also to send me what you just uh, uh, talked about send that information to me and I'll add that to our Baha'i spotlight information. Okay. Universal truths, I think that'd be very important. Mm -hmm. And people, when we're looking at different faith traditions and we have in the past explored the different faiths, that's we, it's amazing when we find that, wow, that's, that's unity, that's our faith too. You know, we believe in that too, you know? So uh, I think that uh, if you delineate those for us, it will be really a helpful for people to see in writing, wow, okay, there's another faith that's, uh, well, there's no separation between our faith and yours, you know, so mm -hmm. to build that uh, bridge of oneness, so, yeah, and then I had a question for you, Jared, how does the Baha'i faith see other religions of the world, but I think you already addressed that. Uh, but pretty, can, uh, pretty much, I mean, we believe uh, really that there is only one religion, and that, that all the messages of God from Abraham, uh, Krishna, Buddha, uh, Zoroaster, um, uh, Moses, you know, Muhammad, Christ, and now Baha'u'llah, um, that uh, they have come uh, in a progressive manner, you know, uh, revealing the nature of that one religion, you know, and together the world's great religions are expressions of that single unfolding divine plan. And Baha'u'llah calls it the changeless faith of God, eternal in the past, eternal in the future. So that's uh, yeah, how we view other uh, manifestations of God. They're, they're one in spirit. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if you want to put that statement in there, along with what Getty is going to send me, I think that, you know, in a nutshell, if people read those, they're uh, going to learn and go, wow, that's great. You know, maybe they want to look into the Baha'i faith for themselves as well. So, um, so uh, Kitty, um, does the Baha'i faith have, uh, if I know nothing about it, do you have anything, any, anyone in your faith equivalent to like a priest or a minister or a spiritual leader that you would go to uh, that would lead the community or someone you would go to for spiritual advice? And is there a governing body of the Baha'i faith? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in terms of your question regarding priests and minister or spiritual leaders, um, I mean, we, in the Baha'i faith, there's clergy and, uh, and state. Um, Baha'u'llah has provided a framework for administering uh, the affairs of the faith through a system of elected councils at the local, national, international level. And so well, wherever there is a community with nine, nine or more adult members, a local spiritual assembly can be formed through a secret ballot and uh, without any form of campaigning for office. Uh, so no one runs for office in, in other words. So like, for example, in Elgrove, um, we have uh, the local spiritual assembly of the Baha'is of Elgrove. And uh, there is also one in Sacramento in the surrounding cities and towns. Uh, we also have um, a national spiritual assembly of the United States. And its seats is um, in Wilmette, Illinois. And then also the international body and uh, the Universal House of Justice which has its seat on Mount Carmel in Israel, in Haifa, Israel. And uh, they direct um, uh, the, and guides the affairs of the whole Baha'i community. And if they go to the website that you've uh, given us regarding the national Baha'is, uh, that information is there as well. That yes. explains yeah. the uh, uh, governing body. So, Absolutely. so, how, so uh, you, you kind of talked about uh, how you get together to worship, but uh, it's it's not in a, a temple or a church building, really. Uh, can you talk a, a little bit about where you meet uh, and what are your gatherings called? There's a term that I think you use for those uh, mm -hmm. that I looked up. And um, just like if I wanted to go to one of your gatherings too, uh, what would that be like? Where would we go? Where would I go? And also I'm going to put this out here. Uh, mm -hmm. Explain what that's like. I get there. Is it a service? Do you do prayers, meditation, discussions? Tell mm -hmm. me, I, I'm a newbie. I want to come. <laughs> I'm walking the door. Where am I? And what happens? Sure. Sounds good. So the first thing we would do is basically invite you to one of our devotional gatherings. So devotional gatherings, hey, <laughs> um, they're, uh, I mean, <laughs> pre-pandemic, they were held in homes. Right now, most of our devotional gatherings are all online. So, in Elk Grove, right? uh, uh, yeah, in Elk Grove. Um, but uh, so, uh, I mean, actually, our Zoom uh, devotional gatherings have allowed us to have pe people participate from not just Elk Grove, but even from Canada. My dad joins in sometimes, you know, and 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 things like that. So, um, and we we gather, uh, we invite friends from all faiths to gather and uh, um, share their own scripture. Uh, pray together um, and uh, and then have fellowship. Uh, less fellowship now because of Zoom, but uh, hopefully um, post-pandemic, we can uh, get things back 
back uh, going. Uh, most of our gatherings always have tea and some sort of a dessert. <laughs> and I think that's something we adopted from our Persian, uh, our Persian friends. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, we do also have uh, administrative activities such as the 19 day feast and uh, our calendar act, we do have a Baha'i calendar, which consists of 19 months with 19 days each. Um, and at the beginning of each month, we have what's called a 19-day feast where we gather, we have devotions, then we consult on issues uh, pertaining to the community um, and things that we would like to do. And then we have uh, fellowship. So that's something that happens on a monthly basis. But the main thing that we would probably invite someone to first is a devotional gathering. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, our holiday holy days we always invite people to. So, <laughs> and we have uh, we have nine of those throughout the year. Um, and these are holy days where work or work is supposed to be suspended, and and so forth. So, and I have the list you gave me, Kenny, of those uh, nine holy days, and they mm -hmm. will also be in that uh, that spotlight in the That's newsletter. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I and I, in my newsletter I do send out a. Um, Holy Days calendar for all faiths mm -hmm. uh, every month, so people are aware. That's part of our education. That for what we want to do is educate people. All oh, the Jewish people are doing this, and the Christians are doing that, and the, you know, so okay. that they're aware of what's going on in their community and and so mm -hmm. forth. So, mm -hmm. um, so um, we're. Yeah, <laughs> I made this way too long, probably, but anyway. Uh, what what are you what as a Baha'i faith uh, in the Baha'i faith do you have daily spiritual practices that you do or weekly practices uh, mm -hmm. uh, and do you want to care to share those or sure yeah. Yeah. so um, uh, then there are some practices that we uh, you know we Baha'is follow and there's some are obligatory like you know, oblig obligatory like for example we have obligatory prayers and fasting and then we are asked to read and meditate the sacred writings every morning so i'll be sure very short uh, for obligatory prayers which uh, you know there are baha'u'llah gave us three of them for us to use and then the short medium and long obligatory prayer and then we could choose one of them at least and then say that within the 24 hours. And uh, mm -hmm. and usually the people who say these prayers are people who are who reach the age of uh, 15. And uh, the purpose of this is uh, that uh, foster and develop uh, our hum uh, humility and devotion to God. And uh, we have uh, Baha'i fasting. And then usually this happens from sunset to sunset during a 19 period in, in March every year and uh, where we cannot eat and drink anything within that time frame, And uh, instead, uh, during that time, what we do is we detach ourselves from these earthly cravings and fill our soul with spiritual sustenance and by saying prayers and things like that and do some other things. And we work on, on strengthening and our connections, uh, connecting our, our soul with our creator. And uh, there are some exemptions from fasting and that includes you know, people who are sick, and, and elderly and very young uh, children, and uh, those people who are pregnant and nursing mothers, those people who are traveling, and for those who are doing heavy uh, physical work. And uh, those are exempt from fasting. So those are the main things um, that uh, we do um, as Baha'is, spiritual practice that we do. 
and and again so familiar uh, with uh, even the Muslim fasting mm-hmm. uh, and then the, the Christians have a Lenten period they don't do actually fasting per se but uh, they do uh, inner interfaith interwork right. <laughs> spiritual right. work looking at like what yeah cleaning house and inter- internally let's put it that way so right Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to ask probably just two more questions and then we'll close. Um, I understand that I read somewhere where the Baha'i uh, individuals are supposed to focus on a cause or causes in your life. First of all, is that true? And if so, do you each have a cause or a particular passion or focus for your life? Um, yeah. Oh, actually, do you want to start? Sorry. Yeah, of course, um, uh, always. Uh, the causes is really focusing on uh, uh, service to humanity. And Baha'u'llah counsels us uh, that he says, be anxiously concerned with the needs of the age you live in and center your um, deliberations on its exigencies and requirements. So now we know what's going on in the, in the world. And uh, we know Baha'u'llah gave us the uh, medicine for that. And, uh, and from that, we're using his teachings and then we participate. And as uh, such, uh, Baha'is throughout the world, both individually and collectively, we strive to become involved in the life of society, working shoulder to shoulder with diverse groups uh, to contribute to the advancement of material and spiritual civilization. So we are involved with community, uh, building activities so, and participate in social actions and also participate in um, public discourses. Yeah. One uh, one thing that Katie and I like to concentrate on is uh, racial harmony. Um, and uh, being being in North America, racism is one of the most crucial things that are that's stopping the unity of this country. So, um, and uh, Baha'u'llah also says that the well-being of mankind, its peace and security, are unattainable unless and until its mm-hmm. unity is firmly established. So um, that's one thing that Kenny and I like to uh, concentrate on. One, because uh, I'm white, she's black. (laughs) We're kind of uh, an example a little bit. Well, we like to see ourselves as uh, uh, an example of racial unity. But but learning about uh, the causes of racism and and things like that, uh, society needs to uh, learn about. And really, it it comes down to um, just not being educated on... uh, on things, you know, and uh, and we we like to hold uh, gatherings that uh, focus specifically on that. And this is Black History Month, by the way. February, yeah, yeah. Black History Month, and uh, yeah, uh, we all look at uh, Mahatma Gandhi and mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Archbishop uh, Tutu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I'm hoping to put a blurb in our newsletter about that as well. So, mm-hmm. so if you had a message to the world, <laughs> I mean, it just um, it gives me goosebumps some of the things you've said about the Baha'i faith, because it's very loving and healing faith. Mm-hmm. And um, so what would you, if someone was listening to this for the very first time about the Baha'i faith, what would you want to tell them or encourage the world to do or whatever. Sure. Uh, Well, um, Mm -hmm. humanity, 
having passed through the ages of infancy and childhood now um, stands at the threshold of its collective maturity, uh, the hallmark of which will be the unification of the human race and a global civilization. We invite young, old, people from every background uh, or religion, rich or poor, uh, to join us in this enterprise to uh, help build that that global civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was promised. Beautifully said. <laughs> you Thanks. can type that up and put it in your notes and I'll put that. In. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you listening, I, I want to thank you, uh, Ketty and Jared, so much for your beautiful presentation today and for uh, braving to be our guests, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just remember this podcast, once it's recorded, and it will be aired on um, Thursday, February 24th at noon at Spiritual Life Center website. And you can go to uh, the Interfaith Connection podcast block, mm-hmm. and it'll be uh, entitled Living the Baha'i Faith. So once it's uh, aired, it'll be there, and it'll also be on the Podbean app on the internet under your title, under uh, Interfaith Connection title. And um, encourage your uh, family and community to listen to it because um, you both are just amazing examples of spreading the love. (laughs) So we thank you so much uh, for that. And for those of you listening to Interfaith Explorers, I started that in 2010 and that was just kind of a interesting uh, accident and it's turned into something pretty extraordinary. So if you don't get our uh, Interfaith Explorers newsletter every month in your email, go to Spiritual Life Center website, click on connect and click on Interfaith Explorers. And right at the top of that page, it says, are you getting our our monthly newsletter or our monthly information? on inter, interfaith education. Uh, just follow the Yellow Brick Road on that and sign up. And um, if you're un, uh, you know, un, unfamiliar with computers or uncomfortable doing that, send me an email at interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. And I will sign you up. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much again. We we appreciate you and we honor you. Oh, well, thank you so much so for much. having us. Uh, it, was, uh, it was an honor for ourselves. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our Interfaith Connection podcasts are aired on the fourth Thursday of each month on Spiritual Life Center's website. You can also find them on your internet provider on the Podbean app. We want to hear from you, so send any comments, questions, or suggestions about our podcast to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we want to know about your interfaith heart. As I close... Let us all remember the words of Gandhi when he said, A peaceful exploration of all faith is our sacred duty. 
Namaste. 